Good morning. The reading today is from Exodus 16, 11 to 15. Catherine asked me to give you some context on this. This comes at a point where the Israelites have been wandering in the desert after their escape from Egypt for such a long time, and they're wondering, why did you bring us here? We have nothing to eat. We have no bread. We have no meat. Did you bring us here to die? And Moses goes and speaks to the Lord. So it's in that context that this verse comes. And I also add my own personal as I read this again, I saw something I didn't ever see before, that sometimes when we are complaining and moaning about our things going wrong in our lives, we're so hung up on the moaning and complaining, we don't recognize the blessings when they do come. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat. And in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine flaking substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. Blessed be the reading of the word of the Lord. Holy God, your word to us is awesome. I pray that you might be in our imaginations, in our hearts, that from what has been shared with us and what will be shared with us, your Holy Spirit would distill something that each of us needs to hear. God, to your glory. Amen. Well, I grew up in Oregon, and in Oregon, kids eat oatmeal and Wheaties for breakfast. So there is no cultural or regional accounting for the reason that I like grits preferably with butter and cheese. Now, I don't know. We have some guests from uh, Texas and Georgia. I don't know if you all eat grits, but we don't eat a lot of them here. So anyway, I love grits. Now, as a kid with my sisters, we would speculate about what grits really were. And the closest I could come to describing grits, if you don't know them, it's a little bit like wallpaper paste. uh, it's sort of slippery when cooked, and I mean, it could be any number of things, and I've heard them all. And left out in a bowl, like wallpaper paste, leftover grits are good for absolutely nothing. I mean, it sort of forms the shape of the bowl, and, you know, maybe you have a doorstop. Well, allow me to make a connection with the bread in today's scripture and grits. The bread in today's scripture referred to in some texts is manna. Now, both grits and manna are fine, flaky kinds of things, Um, probably always better with a little flavoring. Both get rock-solid, lumpy, awful, if left out. I think they were only meant to be eaten in the moment, not left over. And, of course, we heard that um, when announcing God's provision to Moses, the Lord said as much. He said, each day the people will go out and gather enough for one day. One day's worth, no more. 
because manna wouldn't keep. If people tried to hoard it overnight, guess what? In the morning, it was a little stinky, maybe a little slippery, maybe crawling with some things, not very nice. The only exception to this was the Sabbath. Now, since God meant for people to rest on the Sabbath, no manna could be found. But the day before the Sabbath, people would gather a double portion, and behold, the extra didn't spoil. So, but on the day after the Sabbath, we were back to that, you know, old schedule of food being provided by Yahweh one day at a time. This is hard for me to believe. Scripture tells us this food came for 40 years, and I did the math on this. That is 14,600 days of a diet of manna. It was the food staple. It was, I imagine, it was boiled, it was broiled, it was eaten raw, it was folded up into tacos. Heaven knows what was done with it. Um, They probably prepared it any way they could to break the monotony. But along with the quail, manna was the way our Israelite brothers and sisters survived in the wilderness until they got to cross over to Jordan. Interestingly enough, after they'd made their way over the Jordan River into the Promised Land, remember the Ark of the Covenant? At the Lord's command, two jars, I like to think of two mason, you know, quart jars, kind of, full of manna, were kept alongside the Ark of the Covenant to remind people of what had been their dependence on God. Well, in a sermon by a woman by the name of Barbara Brown Taylor, which I've excerpted here, she has this to say about manna. There's been a lot of speculation over the years about what manna really was. The Bible says it was like coriander seed, white and tasted like wafers made with honey. So far, so good. The name comes from Hebrew. I love this part. The words man who, which means what is it? Isn't that great? Well, if you go to the Sinai Peninsula today, it won't be a mystery long, because the Bedouin people there still gather it, and they bake it into bread that they call manna. But get this. The flakes they gather themselves come from lice. Lice that feed on the sap of tamarisk trees that are along the waterside. And because the sap of these trees is so poor in nitrogen, the bugs have to eat a whole lot of it in order to live. And they excrete the extra juice, which when dried becomes a yellowish-white flake that is rich in carbohydrates and sugars. It decays quickly and attracts ants, so a daily portion is the most anyone ever gathers. I didn't hear a single ew from you guys. Did you already know that? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, how holy can bug excrete be? Some people reject this uh, definition because they say that it, it takes away from the reverence that is owed to God's provision. But let me ask you, when does a miracle become a miracle? Is it only a miracle if it comes out of thin air and doesn't have any relationship to something practical? Or is the miracle in this instance that God heard the Israelites? He heard their complaining and fed them with bug juice or tree juice, with food that they would never have thought to eat, and it was enough. 
Well, the Israelites probably got plenty tired of it. I was on a sailboat once for three weeks, and we had almost nothing but mahi-mahi. can't tell you, I still can't eat mahi-mahi. I can't imagine eating manna every day. But anyway, uh, there it was every morning, sustenance. And it makes me wonder, how much manna you and I take for granted in our own lives? I mean, I don't mean the bug source breakfast food that I've just described, but the stuff that comes to us as sustenance that we neither earn nor labor to create. We prayed the Lord's Prayer together. We said, give us this day our... What did you just pray for? Think about it. Did you just pray for the quickly perishable stuff like, you know... Doritos and zucchini and red potatoes? (laughs) Or on a deeper level? Was it something like the presence of the one who sends it? I mean, how you answer that question, you know, what was it that you imagined was your daily bread? How you answer it has a lot to do with how you sense divine presence in your own life. And there's no right or wrong answer to this one. If it's the thing itself that makes it a miracle... And it has to drop straight from heaven into your lap, looking like a perfectly warm loaf of crusty bread in order for you to call it manna. Then you're not going to see or experience a lot of manna in your life. Because you're going to miss seeing the stuff that's practically already drifted in and is there. Now, unfortunately, when we don't get the miracles we order up, like warm buttercrust bread, sometimes people say, well, God doesn't exist God isn't interested, maybe God doesn't care. If, on the other hand, you recognize that everything that comes to you and to me is given, it comes from God, whose intention really is to provide for all of our needs, there's going to be no end to the manna that rains down in your life. Peanut butter, M&Ms, lean cuisine will be manna. Bug juice will be manna. The air you breathe, the health you enjoy will be manna. All of those things that you cannot earn or create on your own from God. Nothing will be too ordinary. Nothing will be too too transitory to remind you of God. And while I would like to say I am conscious every moment of God's provision in my life, I'm not. But I believe the miracle in most of our lives truly is that God is always sending us something to eat. Some bread from the earth, some love, some breath, some water, some wine, the beating of our own hearts. All those essential things that are really just there for the moment that we can't store up and keep fresh for tomorrow. God continues to rain manna into our lives. And I'm willing to bet when I asked you, what was it that you imagined you prayed for when you said, give us this day our daily bread? I bet it really wasn't a sourdough loaf sitting in plastic on your shelf, right? Something more. And incidentally, in that prayer, just so you don't think we're only praying for ourselves as though we're part of God's special club, the prayer is for all God's creation to be fed. And the miracle in that may just be that God is calling us to share what we've already been given, but I won't go there. Okay. 
In a moment, we're going to share Holy Communion together. Bread and juice, elements that become sacramental. The meaning of a sacrament is an outward and a visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. These elements become sacramental, elements that remind us of Jesus' presence and his sacrifice for all of us. Well, I don't think it's too heretical to suggest that there's a whole lot more in our lives that can become sacramental. Think of the things that are wonderful in your life, that communicate God's presence, God's love to you. If we have food in the refrigerator, clothes on our back and a roof over our head, we are more fortunate than about 75% of the world's population. If you have money in the bank, mm, cash on your wallets, and it'll dish someplace with some coins in it, you're among the top 8% of the world's wealthiest people. If you woke up this morning with more health than illness, you and I are more fortunate than the million who will not survive this week. As we gather to worship, we worship without the fear of being arrested or harassed or tortured or even put to death. We are fortunate because millions cannot. Our blessings are absolutely abundant and manifest. It's easy to forget that everything we have really comes to us from the hand of God. We weren't alone in this. In the New Covenant scriptures, after Jesus fed the 5,000 people with all, you know, with the two loaves and the little fishes, those people stuck to him like glue. Because the miracle of the loaves reminded them of the story from the Old Testament about how God provided them with food. And they thought they had their very own Moses in their midst. They thought Jesus could work wonders for them and they'd never have to go out for bread again. Well, testing their premise, they asked Jesus to prove himself by producing bread from heaven right there on the spot. In this instance, what they wanted was that butter crust golden loaf miracle. But Jesus knew in their souls they needed a whole lot more than that. So he called them on it and he gave them himself instead. They wanted miracle food to eat, not a relationship with this ordinary-looking guy who purported to be God's promise, God's promise of forgiveness and new life if they, would, if they would only open their eyes. Well, he honored their hunger, even as he corrected them. Jesus said, you know, it wasn't Moses who gave you manna or gave your ancestors manna in the wilderness It was God who gave it. And God who gives the true bread from heaven, bread bread that in all mystery gives life to the world. I wish we had better words for this, but we just speak in metaphor. Give us this bread always, they said. And that's when he let them know that they were looking at it. I am the bread of life, he said. As Christians, we celebrate that Jesus is God's manna in our spiritual journey wilderness. He's the one who reminds us day by day that we live because God provides not necessarily what we want, but but what we need. Some bread, some love, some breath, some wine, all in the ordinary. 
providing not just the material blessings that fill our stomachs, but the blessings of himself in relationship with us, a relationship that brings the bread of heaven into our lives and becomes the life of the world. Can somebody say amen? Speak to God.